going toward narrow road and only the weird, only the different people find that path. And so we started this journey. And one of the questions we asked is, is new life weird? And if you were here, you saw some of the videos that we'd done in the past. Well, we went further into the archives for this week and James compiled some, some, some rather interesting videos. And once again, you get to be the judge. Is new life weird? Watch this. From the top, guys, go. In Christian doctrine, the Trinity is the unity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as three persons in one Godhead. The doctrine states that God is the triune God, existing as three persons, or in the Greek, hypostases, but one being. Testing. Is it one, two, one, two, sibilis, sibilis. It's great to be here at NLCC in Palestine. Great times, good times. As I swim through the valley of the shadow of death, take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. Cause I can do a flip with half a spin. And all it takes is a flick of my dorsal fin, yo But I ain't never ate a squid that didn't deserve it Maybe treat it like a fish, you know that's unheard of You better stay away from tuna nests on the high seas Or you and your homies might be endangered species I really hate to put your butt in a coffin Run it on yourself and you confuse me with the dolphin Got my nine tucked away just under my fluke Fool, so shut your blowhole before I drop it like a nuke been spending most our lives swimming in the Portsmouth's paradise. Been spending most our lives swimming in the Portsmouth's paradise. Been spending most our lives swimming in the Portsmouth's paradise. Been spending most our lives swimming in the Portsmouth's paradise. I'm sinking and I'm floating. I'm floating and I'm sinking. Setting free willy like I'm Abraham Lincoln. Everybody's swimming, but half of them ain't looking. Tyro's in the hizzy and he'll let you know what's cooking.
get to vote. Is New Life weird? Any, any doubt that we're weird and it has been laid to rest? Now, we said last week that the reason we do this is because we don't want to take ourselves too seriously. We take God very seriously. We take growing spiritually very seriously, but we don't take ourselves so seriously. We like to have some fun, like to hear you guys laughing, because when you laugh, all of a sudden you become comfortable and your heart, it's like this wall around your heart comes down and you start to listen to spiritual things. Now, you've heard the, uh, the saying that misery loves company, right? Normal loves company even more. Now, people on the highway to hell, they desperately don't want you to get on the highway to life. And so when, when your friends who may be on the highway, the pathway to hell, the broad road that leads to destruction, when they see you get on the highway to life, to this different life, they'll be saying, don't go, don't leave me. Stay with me. My life is fake. I, I don't have, um, I don't have any purpose. I, I'm, I'm pretending that I've got it all together, but at least I'm normal. Stay with me because I'm normal. Don't go. Don't leave me because I want you to be like me. So we said last week that we have two main statements that are going to carry us through these next five weeks of our study. And here they are on your listening guide. Number one, if you want what normal people have, do what normal people do. Again, we're going back to two weeks ago when I talked to you, I asked how many of you were apathetic or inconsistent spiritually in 2011? Nine out of ten people in our church said, I'm one of those. And we said, if you want to be apathetic or inconsistent at the end of 2012, keep doing what you've been doing. But if you want something different, you're going to have to do something different. So the second statement is, if you want what few people have, which Jesus said is life, meaning and purpose and joy and peace, you're going to have to do what few people do in order to get that type of life. Now, let's just talk about this. When it comes to finances, isn't normal broke? Isn't normal in debt so far that you can't begin to see the other side of the mountain of debt? Isn't that normal wondering whether you're going to have enough money to pay off all of your bills at the end of the month? That's normal. How many of you want more than normal when it comes to finances? Good answer. Some of you don't. When it comes to relationships, normal is hopping from bed to bed to bed to bed to bed, and then maybe you'll eventually commit to someone that you are going to marry. But then when that doesn't go right, what is normal for over half of the people in the United States? It's divorce. 
Or if you stay together, the only reason you stay together is for the sake of the kids. And, and it's really not benefiting the kids. And I'm not saying you should divorce. The Bible says God hates divorce. But normal in our country is to give up and run away and try to find another relationship. And that's why over 50% of first marriages end in divorce. 60% of second marriages end in divorce. 75% of third marriages end in divorce. Why? Because normal isn't working. How many of you want more than what's normal for your relationships? I guess we're getting fewer and fewer each time. I'm trying. Normal life is, is hoping that next month is going to be better than this month. Hoping that maybe next year is better than this year. Hoping that maybe you'll accumulate enough money so that you can retire when you're 65 or 70 at the rate we're going in this economy. It's going to be like 95. Woohoo! I'm retiring when I'm 95. Right? And, and then even if you do retire, what do you do? You go play golf or you work in your garden all day? Woo! That sounds fun. That's it. Do you want more than normal for your life? Then you have to do something. Yeah, three of you. You're going to have to do something differently. I'm going to have nobody here. That, I guess that should be my goal. I'm just going to state it right now. My goal is nobody's here by the time we finish. Well, if your goal then is to be normal, then just keep doing what normal people do. Keep doing what you've been doing. And you will achieve normal. And Jesus said that normal is going to lead you to hell. And, and you may not go to hell literally if you're a child of God, but I talk to people all the time that are experiencing hell on earth because they're not doing life God's way. The most miserable people I know are Christ followers who have just enough Christ that they think it's going to get them to heaven, but not enough Christ that it changes their lives. They're miserable people. And so they have a hell on earth. They have hell in their relationships. They have hell in their finances. And that's no fun. But if you want what's different, if you want what few people have, it's time to get a little bit weird. Okay. Now, we're going to go back to the Old Testament and we're going to talk about the way the enemy is going to attack you. We've talked about for months that there's an enemy that wants to destroy your lives. And so in the Old Testament, in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25, we have a verse and it says, sometimes what seems right is really a road to death. Now, this is interesting because this is almost a verbatim uh, quote of Proverbs 14, 12, where the writer is saying, you got to figure out that there, there's going to be this bait and switch thing. And actually, I like a second translation of it better. Maybe this one will help you better. It's uh, the message translation, same verse. It says, there is a way that looks harmless enough. Look again, because it leads straight to hell and maybe a hell on earth. See, what I want you to realize is every decision you have is a spiritual decision if you're a follower of Christ. There's no such thing as my Christian life and then the rest of my life. Jesus said, I want to be Lord. Lord means he's boss. And so if he's boss, he gets to tell you what to do in all your decisions. And a lot of you don't like that. I don't either. I don't like to be told what to do. But I've discovered that when I'm in charge, I mess up. And I think that you do too. So we need somebody bigger and smarter and stronger than us to help us. And that's where God says, if you want what I have to offer, I'm in charge of your life. That means every decision is a spiritual decision. Now, normal in dating is to date as many people as you can to prove to yourself and to all your friends that you're normal, right? There's, there's nothing wrong with dating. Dating is harmless, right? It doesn't matter who you date. It's harmless, right? Talk to my wife about a, man, a young man that she dated in college. Um, who beat her down verbally and emotionally to the point that he goes off and you know she was just this emotional wreck and he came back into her life and, and he proposes. He'd been gone for a while and he proposes. 
And Janie said that she cried all night thinking, this is the best I'm going to get. He had made her think that she wasn't beautiful. He had made her think that nobody would want her. And she said, this is the best I'm going to get. And so she cried all night and praise God. She was praying while she was crying and she actually put the Lord to the test. She said, God, I'm going to, I'm going to say this to him. If he reacts this way, then, then I'm going to date him and we'll probably marry him. But if he reacts this way, I'm going to know that that's from you and I'm going to tell him to leave. So she throws it out there. And the next day, the dude reacted the way that she said, uh, you know, if he does this, I'm going to close the door. <laughs> she said she kind of smiled, this smile of relief. And she goes, no, I can't date you. You need to leave now. And, and you would think that would be harmless. But we had been married 15 years and we went to an Astros game. So we've been 21 this year. So six years ago, we go to an Astros game. And I was with my brother and she was sitting with my girls in this one section. And she saw this guy come up. She thought it was this guy from her college years, and she almost threw up. She had this panic attack because all those old things that he had said to her and the way he'd made her feel came rushing back to the surface. Do you think it was harmless for her to go out with that guy? There's a way that seems harmless enough, but when you go that way, it is a hell on earth, and we've got to be wiser than that. It's my purpose in this whole series is, is to help you be wiser Whom you date is a spiritual decision. How often you date is a spiritual decision. How you spend your money is a spiritual decision. How you do your job is a spiritual decision. Do not claim to be a follower of Christ if you're not consulting God before you make decisions. And we do it all the time. Sometimes we'll go to Him on the big stuff, but on the little stuff we say, oh, I got this. And God says, okay, then you're on your own. If you want what few people have, though, you're going to have to do what few people do, and that is trust God for all your decisions. Now, in the Old Testament, um, there was a, a section in Leviticus that Peter quotes in the New Testament. Peter's quoting what God said in Leviticus 11 in, uh, in 1 Peter 1, 14. Here's what he says. You must be holy because I am holy. This is God talking, and he's telling that his chosen people, you must be holy because I'm holy. God didn't say be normal because I'm normal. He didn't say do what everyone else does because I do what everyone else does. God said be weird because I'm weird. And some of you are going, oh, that, don't call God weird. Okay, let me just show you what this word holy means. It's from the Greek word hagios. And here's the, here's the definition of hagios. It means to be pure. That's kind of weird in our day, to be pure, to be set apart, But literally it means to be what? Different. Say that again. It means to be what? God says be different because I'm different. And and I think for the sake of this whole series, we could say be weird because I'm weird. Be pure. Be set apart. God says I'm different. That's who I am. And if you're going to claim to follow me, you must be different as well. See, normal people go on this highway to hell and Jesus comes over here, this pathway to life, and, and the people go, don't go, you used to be so cool, you're so religious now, come back to us, please come back to us. And they want you to conform to the norm. And people who conform to normal miss Jesus. In the Old Testament, there was a king, and his name was David. And uh, David was considered by the Jews to be the greatest king of their nation because before David became king, the nation had been split up. There were 12 tribes in the nation and, and they all kind of went their own way and they were following whoever. Some dude would say, well, I'm, I'm the king. And some dude would say, so they have all these different factions everywhere. David comes on the scene and he reunites the whole kingdom and he wipes out the hated Philistines. You remember the whole uh, Goliath thing? Well, that he was a Philistine. And then David's, the rest of his reign, he wipes them out and sets up the nation for this incredible time of peace 
so that when his son Solomon comes on the throne, there's peace throughout the nation. Here's what David, who was considered weird, here's what he had to say in Psalm 69. Passion for your house has consumed me. In this psalm, he's praying to God. And a lot of times he would write psalms and then he would sing them because he was a musician. Musicians are weird. That's all right. We like them. I have a little I have a music degree, so I can include myself in that. So he, he would write these prayers to God and then he would sing them to God. And he said, passion for your house has consumed me. My question to you is, when's the last time you were passionate about church? Not just tolerant, not just showing up because you think that's the thing to do, but passionate for the house of God. Look what he says next. And the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. David's like, God, you're in charge and it's all about you. And I'm so close to you, God, that when people shoot arrows at you, they hit me because I'm right there with you. When they hurl insults at you, I'm, I'm right there. They insult me, God, because I'm so tight with you. When's the last time that described you? Look what's next. When I weep and fast, oh man, fasting is weird. Would you say that fasting is weird? Would you agree with me? And we're about to do this fast and some of us are going to do 21 days of fasting. That's just bizarre. That's just weird. And, and here's the thing. I don't want anybody to fast because they think that's what everybody's going to do and that's what normal is because then we're not weird anymore. So I want you to ask God, should I fast? And fasting, all it is, is giving up something physically because you're so serious about discovering something spiritual from God. It's about drawing near to God and praying for certain things in your life. So what I want you to do, if you got the email this week, I said, I want you to ask God, should I fast? And if God says, no, don't fast and don't feel guilty. But at least ask Him. Some of you aren't going to ask because you don't want to fast. Right? You just don't want to do it. And that's fine. That's fine if you're not there. Nobody's going to pressure you to do that. Some of you are going to... God's going to say, yes, I want you to fast. The next question is, how long should I fast? I'm not expecting everyone to do 21 days because that's just weird. I've done a seven-day fast where all I did was liquids. It was hard. It was difficult, but it was the most spiritually rewarding time I ever had. Janie said she told the kids, Dad used to hardcore fast where I had nothing but juice. That's a hardcore fast. And I didn't tell anybody at the time. I told them afterwards, anybody other than Janie. If I would go to breakfast or something with somebody, somebody would say, hey, man, can we meet? And we'd go, and I'd just have water, and they're like, you're weird. And I'm like... I'm just in a time of prayer and, you know, I didn't try to bring attention to myself. I didn't go out there and say, look at me, I'm spiritual. That's not the purpose of a fast. You ask, should I fast? Then you ask, how long should I fast? And then you ask, God, what should I be fasting for? Because some of you need to pray for your marriages. You need to be so serious about discovering God's will for your marriage that you give up something for a time. And the thing about the Daniel fast is we're still eating we're eating fruits and vegetables and water. So it's not like we're going to die. Some of us can... can I will lose weight, but that's not the reason I'm doing it. And if you want to lose weight, do the Daniel fast, but then don't expect anything spiritual if the reason you're doing it is to lose weight, right? You know, because then you have your reward. But I am, I'm going to be praying for our church, for the direction of our church, because there's some massive decisions we've got to be making in the months ahead if we're going to continue to do what God wants us to do. And, and I need to know what God wants from me as the pastor of this church. And then I told you I'm going to be praying for my children that my children will be radically obedient to God in a passionate pursuit of not only knowing God, but making Him known to others. If my kids want to please me, all they have to do is please their Heavenly Father. No matter where they go, no matter what they do, if they're pleasing God, I will fall on my face and thank God for what He's doing in my children and through my children. That's all I've ever prayed for them is that they would have a passion for God. 
Not that they would um, make lots of money. Not that they, and that's okay if they do. Um, not that they, that's not, I don't want that to be the goal of their life. I want them to please God. And so that's what I'm going to be praying every day for 21 days is that God will show me what this church needs and show me how I can influence my children to love my heavenly father and please him. So you ask, should I fast? How long should I fast? What purpose should I fast for? And next week, I'm just going to ask you to write on the back card. We're not going to make a big outward sign of this. We're just going to put it on there. And I just want to know because I'm, I'm hoping at least 10 of you will, will do the Daniel fast for 21 days. But, but ask him how long. Some of you can do it for one day. Some of you can do it for three, seven days, 10 days, 21 days, whatever it is. It's, it, the purpose is to get to know God and be a little different. And that's weird. And it goes along with what we're trying to accomplish here. When I weep and fast, they scoff at me. And there will be people who will think you're nuts for fasting. It's all right. When I dress in burlap to show sorrow, they make fun of me. Now, the sign in the Old Testament that you were in mourning was you would put on this rough cloth and you would put ashes on your head. I ain't doing that. It's not a command. That's the way they did it then. We don't do that now. So, But they were scoffing at him when he was mourning and doing what they were supposed to do. And then look what it says. I am the favorite topic of town gossip and all the drunks sing about me. If you think you're weird and there's no drunk people making up songs about you, you got a long ways to go on the weird scale. All right? So uh, don't think you're all that weird unless drunk people are singing. And don't tell me if they do. (laughs) Now, when you become weird, you're going to have to avoid what I call the crab in a bucket effect. You know what that is? And, and I'm not making this up. If you catch a crab, you're at the beach, you catch a crab, and it's not hard, by the way, crabs are really stupid, but you catch a crab and you stick it in a bucket. If you leave a crab in a bucket by itself, you know what it's going to do? Eventually, it will crawl to freedom. I mean, that's what crabs do. It will eventually figure a way out, you know, unless you do this super deal. But if you just leave it in a bucket, the crab is eventually going to get out there. But the weird thing is, if you put more than one crab in the same bucket, when crab A looks up and says, freedom, and starts to go, crab B or C or whatever will grab its little crab butt and drag it back down in there. <laughs> I'm not making it up. Try it. And, and so they're like, no, we're not going to have any. When there's a group of them, we're not going to have any weird crabs that are free. We're all going to be normal crabs stuck in here together, enjoying this small confined space. That's what normal crabs do. So when you get serious about Christ, you get serious about being weird, there are going to be some crabby people in your life who say, don't leave us. Don't go be that goody two-shoes. Don't get obsessed with Jesus Christ. Don't do it. And so here's what I want you to ask yourself. Who is my best friend? Who is the group that I normally hang around with? Okay, get them in your mind. And now I want you to ask yourself, are they normal or are they weird in a God way? Because your answer to that question will determine whether you're normal and headed for hell on earth and maybe even hell in the next life or whether you're weird in a God way because you will become like the people that you hang out with. It happens all the time. I talk to people in prison. I talk to people who are going to prison. I talk to people whose lives are jacked up. And it always starts with, I had these friends. And when we get together, we're really stupid. Our IQ drops to like moron when I'm with these friends. 
Isn't it funny? I'm not laughing, and neither is your Heavenly Father, and probably neither is your family who sees you hanging out with those friends and doing moronic things. When you decide to grow spiritually, there'll be two types of pressure that you're going to have to face. The first one is an inward pressure, and it's this need to please. We want others to like us. We want others to be pleased. And, you know, it drives me crazy. Every, every new fad that comes out, everybody's going to be different. And, and then 8 million people are different. And I'm like, if there's 8 million people that are different, you're not different, you know. I mean, the fashions. Back when in the 70s, and I graduated in 1982, it's all come right back around. There is nothing new that you're wearing. It was all back then. It was ugly back then. It's ugly now. 30 years from now, when your kids are wearing it, you younger ones, when your kids are wearing it, you go, man, that's ugly. And they're going to go, no, it's cool. I'm cool because I'm different. I'm like 8 million other people in the state of Texas. I got to tell you that my biggest, my biggest temptation as a pastor is to please you. Anytime God... I feel like God's laying something on my heart to do, to lead this church to do. My first thought is, what will new lifers think? And then I think, what will my family think? And Janie knows I'm just radically weird, and so she's the quickest one to get on board. But then my extended family, man, they just think well, I'm nuts. And, and if it's really of God, at some point God will say, normal people don't think like me, Doug. And in fact, if, if what I'm wanting to do, everybody in the world is doing, I usually figure that's not of God. And see, every time, you know, two years ago, in February, two years ago, we did this Building a Great Life series where we said we're going to get out of debt. And everybody, even in this church, said, you're nuts. You want people to give over and above the tithe? You are out of your ever-loving mind. And there would be times I'd be on my knees going, God really need you to come through on this one because everybody here thinks I'm nuts. And then we had the one-day offering, and, and when you add everything up from that one-day offering, it was about $90,000 that came in on one day. And everybody went, God is cool. Nobody said Doug's cool. That wasn't the goal. Because everybody's like, Doug ain't got that much money. And then people made these three-year commitments to give over and above the tithe. And, and it's funny because some of the people that do this, they count them down. They'll say which payment it is. And I think we're down this, this month, I think we're down to 12. There's 12 payments left if you did the three-year commitment. And it's over and above the tithe. And there were 31 individuals who said they would give over and above the tithe to try to get us out of debt. That's crazy. And in this economy, nobody can do that. God can. When he gets a hold of some people, God can do some crazy stuff. Every time I talk about tithing, I tick somebody off. And, and, you know, I thought, okay, I'm really honest about sex. I'm really honest about lying and cheating and adultery. I'm honest about everything. And, and yet people don't want me to talk about money because, because really? Money shows where your heart is. And Really? Most Christ followers are in love with money and not with God. I expect about 12 people here next week. Whenever I talk about purity, people get uncomfortable. When I talk about fasting, <laughs> people think I'm nuts. 
But you watch. You watch what God does. Not what I do. You watch what God does. When a group of people here get serious about being different, God is going to do something in our midst that if I were to tell you right now or God were to tell me, we'd all go, there's no way. Because God wants to get the glory. God's not interested in new life being cool. God's not interested in new life getting anything God is interested in new life saying there is one God and we will serve him no matter what anyone else says. When a group of people get serious like that, God changes the world. And it can happen through new life. Look what um, Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says. God tells us this. He says, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. God says, if you're more afraid of what people think than what... God thinks it's a what? A trap. Most of you are more afraid of what, God, uh, what people think than what God thinks. Where's Matthew? Where'd he go? Matthew Harbor. Come here, bud. Sorry, this is your brother's helmet, so I'm letting you wear it today. Now, this word, this word trap literally means a hook in the nose. And I'm not going to stick my fingers up Matthew's nose because that's kind of gross, right? So here's what, here's what I, I was going to bring, a football helmet. Now, I'm, how many football fans out there? All right. In a game, I'm not going to hurt you, but I am going to have to control you for a little bit. In a game, yeah, go ahead and turn those on. In a game, when, when somebody is heading down the, the, the field, they're heading towards the goal, the, the, the whole purpose of a football game is to score more points than the other person, so you've got to get across the goal line. So let's say, usually it's the, it's the person who has the ball. Now, sometimes you see linemen do this, but usually it's the person who has the ball. So let's say that, there you go, I saw you. Matthew's got the ball. He's ready. Matthew has the ball. Now, as he's running down the field, have you ever seen someone's head radically turned around? I mean, the dude's going this way, and it's like the exorcism. His head suddenly goes this way. Or exorcist. You know, y'all seen that movie? Head spun around. That was a long time ago. Don't see it. It's a bad movie. But it whipped the head around. Now, in football, what happens is, that's back, that was before I got weird for Christ. I watched trash like that. So the head comes around. A split second after the head goes the opposite direction of the body, what does the body do? Boom! It goes that way. And, and what does the referee do whenever someone, throws, whenever someone face masks? Throws a flag. Why? It's illegal. It's actually dangerous to whip a young man's head around like this. Right? I'm being nice. It's dangerous to whip it around because the defense then gets an unfair advantage because they've figured out in the National Football League, wherever your head goes, your body's going to follow. Right? You're a great sport. Now, here's the spiritual principle. There's a way that seems right to a man. There's a way that seems harmless. Its way ends in death. Fearing what people think of you is a trap. Here's what Satan's going to do. He's going to try to get you. Here's the path and here's where God wants you to go. Satan's going to try to get your head looking somewhere else. Because he knows eventually your body's going to follow that. It's how affairs start all the time. Don't you look at those girls. Satan will say, look at that one. That's mine. Don't you look at that one. <laughs> Sorry. Satan will say, look at this one. 
Look at this one. Look at this one. Suddenly you're looking, and here's where God wants you to go, and you're going this way. All right, thanks. Here's the thing. Satan knows if he can get you to look at something, whether it's money or sex or people or power or drugs, anything, anything other than God, he's got you because where your mind goes, your body will follow. Bible tells us that when we come to Christ, we put on something called the helmet of salvation. And, and it's not an accident that God calls it a helmet because the helmet is supposed to protect our minds when you focus on salvation, when I focus on the cross, when I focus on Jesus, I no longer worry about what you're thinking of me. But Satan knows his greatest goal in life is to keep you from coming to Christ. He wants you in hell. But once you become a Christian, you put on the helmet of salvation, then what's he do, what he does is he tries to get your eyes, your mind off of what God wants you to do, the, the straight, narrow, weird path, because he knows where your mind goes, your body will follow. And so we've got to know this and prepare ahead of time. Many of you are missing God's plan for you because you're so afraid of what other people are going to say. I can't be too serious about this Christ thing because then who am I going to date? Because like, there's lots of people to date on the normal road. On the weird road. I find weird people. I married one of the weirdest. She loved God and it was very attractive to me. Because I knew it was going to take somebody who loved God to love me. I knew that. And I also knew that because of who I am and because of some stuff in my past, I knew it was going to take me loving God to love my wife in a way that she needed to be loved. Normal's not working. Quit looking for a mate on the normal road. Because normal sucks. I spend a great deal of my time counseling marriages that are messed up. And many times it's messed up because we are, we're choosing to be on the normal road. And it breaks my heart because God wants more for us. And see, now God's got this custom weird for you. Don't be weird like me because that's being fake. God has a custom-made weird for you. What if God told you to get rid of TV? That'd be weird, right? Who cares if God tells you? Because maybe you're spending more time on TV or on the Internet than you are with your family anyway. Maybe the reason your kids are struggling in school or with relationships is because they have zero relationship with you. Turn the TV off and, and focus on what's important. What if God told you to dress modestly in a very immodest world where everything, every stylish thing is immodest and you really feel like God's saying to you, you need to cover up your body and leave a little bit to the imagination. And you think, well, what will my friends think if I don't wear the latest styles and show my skin? You laugh, but it's, you know it's true. We want to be like everybody else. Would it be weird to dress modestly in this world? That was a yes or no question. Many of you are not doing what you were called by God to do because you're so afraid of what people are going to think. And becoming obsessed with what people think is the quickest way to miss what God thinks. To miss what God has for you. Man, I want you to teach your kids that not only is weird okay, weird is better. For their 12th birthdays, for each of my children, I did something that, that 
Some people thought it was kind of weird. For Caleb's 12th birthday, I had a man celebration and I invited the men of the church and we brought these gifts and we gave them and I had men stand up and talk about what it meant to be a man and, and give these little symbols to him. And, and we were saying, you're a man. Now, even though you're only 12, we are accepting you into manhood. You are a man. And, and in order to gain respect and responsibility, you have to do things and make man decisions. And so I, we told him what we expected from him sexually. We told him what we expected from him in leadership and following God. When he was 16, we did another man party. When he's 18, I'll do another man party. F- with, with my daughters, each of them, when, when they turned 12, I took them to Reunion Tower and we had this dinner. And it was just a date, a daddy-daughter date. And one of the things, the purposes was I was going to give them a purity ring. And I, was, and I said to them, now, when, when I give you this ring and you put this ring on, This is a purity ring. And what this means is you will remain sexually pure your entire life. I want my kids to be virgins when they get married. And is that weird in this day and age? And and I told Hannah's was just a couple weeks ago. And I said, baby, I am not at all trying to keep you from having a good life. I want you to have the best life possible. And the best life possible is to do things God's way. And people may think you're weird. And when you take this ring and you put it on your finger, you're saying to me, your earthly father, and you're saying to your heavenly father, I am going to be sexually pure my whole life. And when they are virgins and they marry a virgin, and and then I want them to have wild, crazy sex the rest of their lives because that's what God designed. When you're married, God wants you to have wild, crazy sex. It's okay. God is the one who did it. He, he, He made sex. Adam was alone. And you know, when Eve came up, he's like, whoa, man. I mean, that's how she got her name. Because she looked good. And God said, have her sexually. Because she's now your wife. I want my kids. And and in fact, I've studied a lot. They say that those who are the most happy sexually, especially the girls, are the ones who have healthy relationships with their dads. And they have incredible sex after they're married because they had this great relationship with their dad. And that's not perverse at all. I'm talking about healthy love from their dad so that they didn't go out and have to find some young boy who said, love is sex. Dad says, no, love is not sex. It doesn't take you long to figure that out, does it, ladies? Love ain't sex. Everything else around is supposed to be what you build your relationship on. And then sex is the icing on the cake. It's not the cake. And everybody tells you it is. See, when I talk to people and, and they tell me about sex before marriage, when they're honest with me, I say, did sex before marriage help your marriage or did it complicate things? Everybody who's honest says, it complicates things. And everybody I talk to who's had sex with someone other than their spouse after they've been married, everyone says, it complicates my life. It didn't make my life better. And so I don't care if you think my kids are weird. And I want to tell my kids that weird is not only okay, it's the best way to go about life. So I want the best for my children sexually. I want the best for my kids. I don't want normal. Is anybody with me on this? We can't do what the world's been doing and expect our kids to be any different. We have to do what God has called us to do. I'll quit talking about sex. Maybe. That's the inward pressure, this need to please. Outward pressure is the fear of criticism. i got to hustle. It's feeling pressure from the outside. Normal people will say to you when you get serious, why are you going to church all the time? That's just weird. People will say, 
and I've heard this one. Prayer's stupid. Prayer doesn't work. Well, prayer to the wrong God, lowercase g, doesn't work. Prayer to God the Father, the one who raised Jesus from the dead, the one who said all things are possible with God. By the way, prayer doesn't work. God works. If prayer isn't working, it may be because you don't have a relationship with the one to whom you're praying. Prayer is not to get from God what you want. It's to get you oriented to what God wants. Why would you waste your time and money going to Haiti? I had someone say, going to Haiti is stupid and it's a waste of time and money. Take that up with God because God called me to go. And God called me to take some people from new life to go. And so if you think it's stupid, talk to him. I don't want to hear it. If God calls you to go to Haiti, there's no greater way you could spend your money and your time. God says, giving a cup of cold water to someone in his name will not go unnoticed to God. Why aren't you going to that movie with us? What? what? It's because it's R-rated or there's some stuff in there? Who are you to judge me? I'm not saying I'm judging you. I'm just saying I can't go. If you're being judged, maybe you should talk to God. Come on, we used to get drunk or we used to smoke weed together. Come back. Oh, I get it. You think you're better than us. You think you're holier than thou. No, I just think that I'm supposed to follow God and that's against the law. They'll make fun of you. But when people make fun of you and criticize you, I want you to remember some verses that Jesus said. John 15, he said, If the people of this world hate you, just remember they hated me first. If you belong to the world, its people would love you. But you don't belong to the world. I have chosen you to leave the world behind, and that's why its people hate you. So if people mistreat you, they will. If if people mistreat me, they will mistreat you. It's going to happen. Don't worry when people criticize you for being weird in a God way. You need to be worried when they don't. Because that means you're just like them. If no one ever questions you, you are just like the crowd. And I fear for your future and I fear for your children's future. If you seek God, he's going to lead you off the normal path to do some weird stuff. Some of you, he's calling you to fast. And some of you need to fast for your marriage because your marriage is sick. Some of you need to fast for a sick relative because you've got these sick relatives that are going to die without Christ. Some of you, you've just got, you got family members who are so far from God that if God were to smack them in the face, they wouldn't recognize him. You need to fast for that. And that's weird. And I can tell you that normal people won't understand Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. You can't be occupied, preoccupied with this world and follow God at the same time. My true rewards are in heaven, not on this planet. So remember this, I can't please everyone, but I can please God. And in fact, that's what that verse says. 1 Thessalonians 2, 4. Our purpose is to please God, not people. It is possible to please God, but you have to make Him your focus and not other people. Now, I want you to bow your heads for just a moment. And let's bring this really personal. How many of you would say right now, I've been way too normal in the way I've pursued God. Let me see your hands. All right, put them down. 
How many of you would say, I'm ready to make a change and I want to be different. I want to be weird in a God way. Let me see your hands. Oh, how I pray you're serious. You can put them down because what God would do with that many of us who were serious about God. Palestine and Anderson County and this surrounding area will never be the same. If that many of you are serious about being different, weird in a God way. I've always, always wanted to be in a church like that. And so help me God. I will be in one before I die. And I pray it's time that we take that step. Father, you saw those hands. If we're serious, I pray that you do something so amazing that everyone around here hears about the power of the living God. And that they don't know how it would happen that a small little group like New Life Community Church could be so radically blessed by God. But if there's a group that's going to be blessed by it, they want to join us. Do something that draws attention to your name, that brings fame to your name in our midst. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, um, before we finish, I want to do this. Some of you, you're afraid to do what God wants you to do because you're afraid of what people are going to think about you. And some of you have never walked into the kingdom of God. You've never crossed. We call it crossing the line of faith. What I try to do is I try to bring you as close to the line of faith as possible, but I can't push you across into the kingdom of God. I can't, I can't adopt you into the family of God. You have to say, God, I'm tired of doing it my way. I want you to be ruler of my life. And some of you hadn't done that. So as scary as it may be, I'm letting everybody look around for this one. If you've never been adopted into the family of God and you want to be right now, raise your hand. Anyone? Sweet. Anybody else? Anyone? Here's how you do it. You say, God, I'm a sinner and I need you to save me. Just pray that. I'm a sinner. I need you to save me. As best I know how, I give you my life. Lead me from this day forward. I think we need to do a little celebrating. We just had two people enter the kingdom of God. Now, I'm going to tell you this. At least 90% of you raise your hand that you want to be weird. It's time to quit talking about it and do it. And we're going to be talking these next four or five weeks. We're going to be talking about how you can become the type of person that God wants you to be. And so I'm going to invite you to be here each week and bring someone with you. Because God's about to do something in our midst that we would not believe if he told us ahead of time.